Hello, good afternoon, um, or good morning, good night, wherever you are. Uh, welcome to our latest state of the market video. It's been a little while since we've done one of these, but we've had a lot of clients asking us to uh, do these when we're going to do it again. And so um, we made sure to get one on the calendar uh, as soon as we can um, after uh, the last few coin shows that we've attended and people kept asking us for these. Uh, we're doing this under a slightly different format without a moderator, but my hope is that we can do this with some more regularity uh, in the future and you know, share our insights in the market and sort of how we're responding to changes and what we're doing to continue to develop our business and the market overall. Um, anything you want to add? Or? Yeah, so 2021 for us was a uh, pretty crazy year across the board for collectibles. It was very active. Uh, we saw uh, pretty amazing um, uh, increases in prices and uh, what we've seen more recently and you know less so in coins than other categories but we've seen a sort of return to normal uh you know during this period of uh, 2020 2021 we saw um some prices and you know especially for uh regular what we see like regular coins you know things that we see often jump up quite a bit and now uh we're seeing those uh correct uh, 10, 20, 30%. But at the same time, you know, the big trophies, the big quality items, big type coins uh, are as strong as they've ever been. Uh, we continue to break records for types and, you know, across countries. Uh, so, um, you know, we're quite excited for 22 and what's ahead. Yeah. So we'll get into more specifics later on, but uh, I'd say my observations of the market overall are the same as Chris's, which is there was a huge increase in pricing uh, across the board in 2020 and 2021, and things are starting to return to some level of normalcy. But that being said, on a lot of things, if you compare to where they were three or four years ago, they're still higher than where they were. So, you know, what I would encourage people to look at, uh, and I, I check the message boards and uh, online groups and things like that to see what people are saying. And I think in a lot of collectibles, people have a very short term memory uh, where they're seeing stuff, you know, sell for much less than it was six months or a year ago. But if you step further back and look at the longer time horizon of five, 10 or 20 years, there's still a very steady growth on most collectibles, especially for world and ancient coins. So yeah, there was a, a peak in 2021 and it's come back down, but prices are still much higher than where they were three, four, five years ago. And we'll get into some specifics later. Correct. Another thing that I'll mention, I think that added to that is the uh, strength of the dollar, the U.S. Mm -hmm. dollar. The fact that, you know, we have we are have a growing uh, international market, growing global market buyers from outside the United States and uh, in places like Japan where they had you know, uh, their country, the, their currency, the yen devalue basically 20, 25% in the short term, uh, in the short term, it made it more difficult for them to compete. And that could also be said, you know, for the English and the Europeans for that matter. But at the same time, that creates a, um, it's, it's a great opportunity for consignment uh, where people now are looking to us to sell more of their coins and more of their inventories or more of their collections in the US uh, because they know they're going to have that extra gain in the exchange alone. Yeah, you know? yeah, the dollar is at a 30 year high or more in some cases. And, you know, for the longest time, things were very steady against the pound and the euro and the yen. And then all of a sudden, in the last less than six months, there's been a Correct. drastic uh, change in the dollar. And it's certainly impacting the way people participate in the market. And, you know, it, it's great when I hear and talk to people overseas and they say specifically that they want to consign because they know they're going to get that much more back in yen, an extra 20% than what they would otherwise if they sell in the U.S. And Sam, you, you know, we're seeing um, interest uh, in new areas of numismatics. And why don't you speak a little bit to uh, about our 
modern coin showcase monthly auctions that we have now in the whole area of modern numismatics and that as that's becoming more and more important to us yeah yeah um so i i'm not sure whether i would say that there is new interest in modern numismatics or it's something that we are just starting to pay more attention to because i think for a long time there was a lot of um collectors for that but there wasn't really a response from dealers or auction houses what i mean is that there were not that many you know what we would consider professional dealers or auction houses who would take modern coins uh seriously they were kind of an afterthought um and we can get into some specifics later but uh what we realized over the past couple of years is that there is a very vibrant and serious community that collects these things and it's a great entry point for new collectors uh, so what we decided to do um, about a year ago was uh, to create a dedicated venue just for modern coins. And I see we have one question here. What year Perfect. do you consider to be modern in terms of modern coins? We sort of had some discussions about that. At first, we were considering it anything 1960 to present. And then I think we changed a few months ago to decide um, anything post-World War II uh, is more or less modern by our, our estimation. Um, and most of that it tends to be sort of commemoratives or proofs or other things like that rather than actual circulation coins, but there is some, some gray area there. Um, but I, I think it's great that we're um, sort of responding to that area of the market and um, sort of taking it more seriously. Because when you look around the marketplace, uh, there aren't that many dealers or auction houses that sell modern coins and sort of a dedicated serious venue they're kind of an afterthought they're put at the end of whatever section um, the other coins go in uh, and they just seem a little out of place and very spread out so uh, i'm very happy with that uh, venue and i think this year we're on track to sell something like three or four million dollars in the modern showcases and next year it should be significantly more um, and I, I just love to see all the new collectors that are coming into it through that venue. Excellent. Do you, should we talk a little bit about the 3101 or should we talk about the numbers? What do you think? Um, how about the overall numbers a little sure. bit? Um, so I think we said this in the last day of the market in February that we did, which is 2021 was by far the best year ever um, for us and for a lot of other um, world and ancient coin companies. We sold as a department over $131 million through auction of world and ancient coins, which is um, more world and ancient coins sold at auction by any other auction company ever anywhere in the world. So that's sort of a banner year. Unfortunately, we are not gonna pass those numbers <laughs> this year, <laughs> uh, but as I think a lot of our viewers know, our numbers last year were heavily skewed by the Paramount collection. So the Paramount collection was this once in a lifetime collection that came up. It was just 750 coins, I think it was, that wound up realizing $42 million, which certainly skews the numbers pretty significantly. So I think it's useful to look at them if you control for that, if you take that out, because I think that will then get at the health of the market uh, if you don't have those numbers skewing it. And so if you take that $42 million sale out, uh, then we sold something like, what, $89 million about um, last year. And so we're actually on track to beat those numbers this year, which I think does speak to the health of the market. So while prices might not be quite as much on individual coins as they were last year, they're still a significant amount of money being spent in the market. So there's a couple of different ways I think you can talk about the health of the market. You can look at the prices on individual coins, or you can look at the overall amount of money that's being turned over and spent into the market. And so if you look at it from that latter perspective, it seems like the market is still chugging along just nice, just as well as we could hope all things considered. And we look at all kinds of metrics yeah. when we're, we're reviewing these auctions, you know, the, the amount of bidding that happens, the amount of um, action that takes place pre and during the auction. I mean, that's all those things are important. And oftentimes they're more important than price, uh, mm -hmm. which, you know, or it, it can be quite subjective. Uh, but 
the one thing that I was reviewing, because last year we sold just over just about 43,000 lots. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it, it speaks to the efficiency and also for the, the, to the demand that we have recently from our audience, our collectors to reach these markets. It's like, are we going to sell more than 50,000 lots this year? Or what do you uh, think? Yeah, so we've got two months left. Um, things, we're still got a few consignment deadlines left to build okay. the rest of the year. So we'll see how it, we end up. But it looks like, um, so last year we sold like 43,600 lots. Okay what I, I looked up last night. Uh, this year, on we're already over 41,500, and it looks like we'll end up close to 48,000 or thereabouts by the end of the year. So in terms of those sort of overall numbers, we're going to sell about 10% more than we did last year, both in terms of number of lots sold and our, the overall dollar turnover, if you control for Paramount, if you don't factor that one collection into the equation. So yeah. we'll see how the next two months go, but uh, it seems like things are progressing pretty nicely this year. Yeah, and it speaks to the to what we've been able to build. The team has been able to build as far as efficiencies to be mm -hmm. able to, you know, to to uh, meet all the demand that we have from consignments uh, these days, and and you know we have systems and in place and databases that um, provide information and 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 give comfort to bidders out there to collectors everywhere in the, in the globe wherever they are to bid comfortably aggressively and they know exactly what they're getting with you know third-party grading and all the all the uh wonderful data that we have there available uh, so should we go into 3101 which yeah, the, starts tomorrow no 3101 was in august that was the last big 3102 event. yeah 3102 starts tomorrow yes. which we can certainly get into um, but I guess to sort of keep it on uh, in the keep it in chronological, in chronological order. order. I mean, let's review then our A and A auction in yeah. August that just closed um, a couple months ago. Yeah, um, just five six weeks ago we had uh, the A and A auction, which is usually one of our banner sales throughout the year. Uh, we've changed things around a little bit with the format. So prior to the pandemic. Uh, what we would have is a platinum session at A&A and a signature auction at Long Beach. And they were a month apart, sometimes less than a month apart. And one thing that we were able to do during 2020 and 2021 when COVID-19 kind of threw the typical schedule out the window, all the shows were canceled, we could reevaluate our schedule and make it so that it would fit our consignment deadlines and our workflow better um, and not have to build them around the coin shows. So we got rid of the Long Beach, the September Long Beach auction and basically rolled it into the ANA auction. But what we also did was move the ANA auction away from the actual convention. So we have lot viewing at the ANA show and then the actual auction a week afterwards. Which seems to be the format that um, most coin auctions will be at least yeah. in this country going yeah forward. i think most people are moving in that direction and the response that we had from clients was pretty much universally positive uh, yes. yeah from consigners buyers dealers everyone was much happier that they didn't have to jump around between the floor and the auction room and yeah. you know miss a bid here and there uh so we made that big uh schedule adjustment and um what that also enabled us to do is add a new venue to our calendar in late October, early November, which is 3102, which is the auction this week, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, so one thing that I think the ANA auction illustrates, 3101 that we had this past August, is that prior to the pandemic, we had a tendency to, or at least I felt like we had a tendency to make the auctions as big as possible. And then over the past two years, we have kind of shifted in the other direction pretty dramatically to try and make the auctions as small as possible. So what that means is raising our value thresholds, adding new venues to the calendar, adding more showcase auctions to the calendar. Um, so to put that in perspective, I looked up the numbers yesterday. So in 2019, between the August ANA and September Long Beach auction, which were sort of two sides of the same coin, no pun intended, uh, those two auctions had 4,415 lots. 
and then this past August A&A auction had 2,341 lots, so nearly half the size of what the auction would have been in 2019, just by our own efforts to raise the value minimums and move stuff into other venues. And I think that's something that was also pretty much universally um, received positive um, praise from our clients because, you know, trying to navigate a 4,500 lot sale is just not easy to do as a professional or as a collector. And I think people prefer those smaller sales. Sure. So we had three special sales, standalone catalogs in, in the ANA event. Um, Cape Coral uh, was a wonderful collection that we continue to sell and we'll sell the third part coming up in uh, in January. The 20 second part. Se second part. Yeah. Part two of Cape Coral German is January. Part three is next August. See, I lose track of these things. <laughs> but anyways, we continue to sell the wonderful collection, Cape Coral. Uh, incredible uh, quality. Like um, people, anyone that has have seen these coins are just beautifully toned. Um, you know, uh, just just the best of the best that you can find in, in German dollars. Um, so um, uh, we sold that and we'll continue to sell it. Um, then we sold Historical Scholar. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you want to speak about that a little bit? Yeah, the Historical Scholar collection, I would kind of describe as an academic collection. It had a lot of very rare and interesting pieces, not necessarily the best quality coins, mm -hmm. but certainly a lot of value in aggregate. Uh, but there were a lot of just historically interesting or rare types that you don't encounter all that often. And so we pulled out the best I think it was 200 coins or so for a standalone session in August as part of that auction. And then we also pulled out four other showcase auctions from that collection. We've sold two of them so far. We have a third one that will be opening, I think, this Sunday, and then a fourth one that'll be sold uh, in a couple of months. And then more coins spread throughout the uh, weekly select auctions. See, the reason, the main reason I get confused with all these auctions is in 2008, when I joined Heritage, we had three auctions a year, <laughs> three, one, two, three. And so, and we also sold Petropolis, which was a, it's a, quite an important collection of Brazilian gold, uh, over 600 uh, different coins. Uh, uh, we will be selling it in three parts. Uh, the second part is tomorrow. Uh, the first part was uh, the colonial uh, up to uh, King John V. Again, similarly to historic, historical scholar, this collector was quite adamant about completing date runs, and he did so quite effectively. Uh, you know, some wonderful, beautiful coins, some coins uh, not so wonderful, so beautiful, uh, but certainly quite a broad. And, you know, part two, which we will sell tomorrow, uh, starting at uh, noon central time, um, is higher quality than the first part. And then the third part, which will be in New York, the New York International January is even higher quality, which will include the Empire and the Republic. So be on the on the lookout for that. So you want to talk about a couple of specific yeah. results? So I think people are probably interested to see where the market actually is going. And I think the first result that I had um, pulled up is the Una and the Lion that we had in the August mm -hmm. auction. So this is a great coin. I think this is a great bellwether for the market because it's such a popular type that's collected by people all over the world. And so this was a 63 Ultra Cameo that we sold for $372,000. And so as I was saying earlier in this talk, the way I'm thinking about the market is that things have come back from where they were last year, but they're still much higher than where they were, um, you know, five or 10 years ago. So Tommy, if you can scroll down on this page to the previous prices grid. Yeah, stop there. So you can see sort of, I, I love the previous prices grid we have on the website because it makes these conversations so easy. Uh, the UNA, in terms of our sales, peaked in March of 2021, where we had another 63 Ultra Cameo sell for uh, $456,000. That was part of the Paramount collection that we sold last year. but. Compare that to the result from January 2014, where we had another 63 Ultra Cameo sell for $141,000. So, yeah, the market. And if you keep going back a little further, you will find results. I mean, you don't have to do this, Tommy, but I remember 
when we were selling these coins exactly in this grade for about 50,000, just yeah. about 10, 10 to 12 years ago. So the trend is clear. Yeah, it's it's come down a little bit from where it was last year. But, you know, if you bought this coin five or 10 years ago, you should be pretty happy with where the market is on it. Um, and then in terms of ancients, uh, there's another coin that I wanted to show that sort of illustrates another point beyond this, which is that there are still some areas of the market that are just continuing a steady march forward in terms of price. So if you can go to that Alexander Stater, Tommy, um, that was in that same auction in Choice Mint State Star, uh, five, five fine style. So that's, yeah, that coin. This is a type that kind of blows my mind how much uh, interest there is around the world. But I guess if there was ever a coin that everyone would want an example of, it's an Alexander the Great Stater. Um, so that's an this is an area that we haven't seen any dip in prices. And actually, this is, I'm pretty sure, a world record price for the type. I need to double check that. But I would be surprised if there was another Alexander State. Let's scroll down more. and see what's then yeah, down there. Let's see the previous prices grid, what we have there. Um, that's just going to move up. It's going to take a moment to load. I, I think, think it's still loading. Yeah. Yeah, there oh, it is. There it is. So uh, you'll see that we had a similarly graded coin in August 2019 at the very bottom of that grid. Choiceman State Star, fine style, sell for just under $17,000. And so in the past three and a half years, it's basically tripled in price. Um, and if you go back further, I mean, NGC hasn't been around that long, but you're going to find similarly graded coins selling for under $10,000. But what you'll see here, especially in this pre previous prices grid, is there's a lot of demand for this coin in high grade. It's not like there's one outlier result. There's a lot of people in the market who want this coin and they want it in top condition. So that's something that, I'm, I'm a little surprised by, but not too surprised, where you know, high-grade coins of Alexander the Great just continue to increase in price, and that's just one area that um, you know, the kind of dip that we've seen in other areas of the market isn't apparent. Okay. All, All right. right. So, so October? Move on to 3102, the one I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which now is November. <laughs> yeah. Originally it was October. Now it's November, but it starts tomorrow, mm -hmm. and it goes through the fourth. We have uh, about twenty-one hundred lots uh, or so being offered A to Z. Uh, but we'll kick off tomorrow at noon uh, Central Time with the Petropolis Collection Part Two. So there's about two hundred and twenty coins or so uh, there, and then at five p.m. I believe, mm -hmm. correct yeah, me if I'm wrong, CT. Central Time, uh, we'll start our Platinum Night, which will have how many lots? About 200 lots. About 200 lots. From A to Z, there's wonderful collector coins in there. Uh, yeah, I, there's, I, a, you know. there's a lot of good five-figure coins. Not that many coins in the six-figure range, but mm -hmm. still a, a lot of really just good, you know, what you said, collector coins in that sale. And I think it'll be a good... Uh, good gauge for where the market is. It's going to be a smaller auction in terms of number of lots and overall value compared to August or what the January sale is going to be. But, you know, I love the, this new venue that we've added in the fall yes. because it's it's much smaller. It's, I don't know, maybe intimate is the word you could use. Yeah, I mean, it's it. and it's wonderful. I, you know, particularly love the focus of in, in this in this range that is more uh, say affordable to 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 most collectors and you know I keep thinking there's an Argentina Rosas uh, Ada Scudos in there that you know it's going to get close to five it could get close to five to to six figures I mean it's mm -hmm. a wonderful wonderful high grade incredibly rare coin so there's a lot of things to find please you know go go after this talk and, and browse some of those lots uh, we're less. We're less than 24 hours away, or just about 24 hours away yeah. from uh, the start. So, um, you know, and, and again, will be another great barometer for the market. Will give us idea across because we have coins, you know, from A to Z, uh, you know, to see what the state of the market is and, and and how things are shaping up. But from what we've seen so far, and I, you know, I I like to track these things pretty closely. Uh, the market is just fine. Um, the bids keep coming in and the activity keeps growing as 
you know, the clock ticks down to uh, to the start of the sale. So yeah. All right. So maybe we talk about the Chinese market for a little bit. Sure. We were hoping to go to Hong Kong this year. It looks like we won't be able to. Unfortunately, they still have a couple of um, COVID uh, testing requirements that uh, will prevent us from attending. But we are hopeful that June by June of yeah. by June of twenty three, we'll be able to go back. Uh, but at the same time, we have a wonderful sales shaping up. We've we've kept our sales, and our sales kept growing, uh, even though we haven't been able to physically be there with our Chinese friends and partners. But uh, we continue to hold the auctions, and uh, with with great success. And uh, we fully expect this one to be another one. Yeah. So um, the Chinese market is one area in particular that I think shot up more than oh, any other sure. area. Uh, I mean, it was, seemed like coins were doubling in value every couple of months. Yes. Or maybe even oh, every couple of months. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. we had our last signature auction in Hong Kong in July, um, which saw some weakness in my mind relative to where the market was in December. Uh, and then there was a large sale by Stacks in October earlier this month, or early in October, um, that I think solidified that the market has sort of come back down to reality. Mm -hmm. But all that being said, it sort of goes back to my overall point, which is perspective. Yeah, step back beyond just the past twelve or eighteen months, and you'll see you know where things really are. So I think a good example of that is a birds over junk dollar. So. Tommy, I sent you a link to this one to pull that up on the screen. But uh, birds over junk dollar, I think this is a great gauge for the market because it's a popular type. It's a collectible type. There's enough that there's a lot of sales records. So we had this one sell in our autumn uh, Hong Kong showcase auction, which sort of we have two showcase auctions in Hong Kong that are kind of smaller than the signature sales in the off season. So we have one in the spring and fall, and then we have the Hong Kong signatures in the summer and winter. So um, we sold this one for $28,800 on October 2nd. So scroll down to the previous prices grid here, Tommy, and you'll see that uh, it's loading. We've sold a lot of these in 63. Um, so this one sold October 2nd for $28,800. Uh, you'll see the number of other 63 results we have there. So you can see that the market clearly peaked in June of 2021, where we had one in 63 sell for $37,200. Uh, however, you know, as we're saying, take a step back and you'll see a, a get a better perspective on the market, where even as recently as December 2018, this was a solid... Um, um, $8,000 coin. So I sent you another link to the results, Tommy, that maybe you can pull up beyond just um, the previous prices grid. But uh, it was a, a $8,000 coin in December 2018. And then you step further back in December 2016. Yeah, this is it. So if you scroll down to uh, the December 2018 results, you'll see, yeah, it's a solid $8,000 coin. And then December 2016, it was a solid $5,000 coin. So the fact that a 63 is selling for 28,800 I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, as you can see how much Tommy has to scroll it's not yeah. a particularly rare coin. Right. I mean we have if if you guys know Warren Tucker that works with us he used to he tells the story he used to bring rolls back from China and these were you know 50 to 75 dollar coins back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. So um that speaks from you know it speaks to the to the demand for Chinese coins and 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 it's something that we have always expected from from Chinese from Chinese demand and Chinese buyers. Uh, but you're absolutely correct. I mean, it, during during the 2021 um, period, we saw uh, volatility in the Chinese market upwards that was unlike anyone that you know anything that we've seen before. Even in in you know in the in the 2000 seven, eight, and then again, in, I guess in 12 or 13, uh, this one was quite, uh, quite sharp. And now obviously, and, and there's US dollar, I mean, there's, there's, you know, macro yeah, um, I, I economic think the, the factors. Chinese, the Chinese coin market is kind of more closely tied to the overall Chinese economy For sure. than other coin markets. 
And so when things were sort of firing on all cylinders last year, it shot up more than other coin markets did. But it's only natural then that it's going to come down a little harder than all the other markets as well. Okay, excellent. And we have right now the team already building, of course, our next one. Yeah. Our next big one. You mean January? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> next one after that. Yeah. So January, of course, New York International is a very traditional show that started uh, uh, a few decades ago. Uh, we've been uh, one of the official auctioneers of that venue uh, also for many, many years. Uh, we've been in a new venue for the last year or two years. Was it? We've been there. Uh, we switched, switched to the Grand Hyatt a few years a few ago. Years, and then now we're at the... Barkley. Yeah, we've only been there one year. One so year. Far. Yeah. So we're there. It's a very nice, very nice place, a uh, very nice facility. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a big congregation of coin collectors and uh, dealers from all over the world. We're, you know, now with that we're over COVID, we have very high expectations for this event as far as attendance goes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I, for whoever, anyone who hasn't been to a coin show, if you want to go to a coin show, I would say the New York International is in the United one. States for sure. Yeah, it in the U.S. The New York International. Yes. I mean, it's it's a really nice venue. I like this of, of the three venues I've been uh, to the NYINC at for Heritage, the Waldorf, the Grand Hyatt, and the Barclay. I love the Barclay the best for sure. I, I agree. It's the best of the three. Yeah. Um. So as Chris mentioned earlier, in January, January we have uh, two standalone collections already consigned to that, which is Cape Coral German Part 2 and Petropolis Part 3. Um, one thing that I think is interesting to note and should be noted is that in our efforts to further reduce the size of the auctions and keep them manageable, uh, we've raised the value minimums for this auction. Last year, uh, the minimum was $7,500 hammer for platinum and $1,000 for Signature. This year, we've raised it to $10,000 for Platinum and $1,500 for Signature. And by my estimation, that's going to be about a 15% reduction in lots, which I think, you know, as I was saying earlier, everyone's going to appreciate because it's going to make the sale that much more kind of lean and um, digestible. Curated. Yeah, curated yeah, is a good too. word to use. Excellent. So we'll have just just so everybody know we have thirty one oh five and thirty one oh six. We actually have two sale numbers for New York uh, because mm -hmm. they happen uh, eight days apart. As a matter of fact, yeah, thirty one oh five is the special collections and platinum, and then thirty one oh six is signature. signature. So we can do lot viewing throughout the week for thirty one oh six, and then thirty one oh five is actually held at the convention. One of the few remaining auctions that are held at a coin show. That's right. Okay. Um, and then I guess we could talk about showcases for a little bit as well. That's something that I'm most excited about, I think, in terms of sort of our, our menu of auctions. Uh, our showcase auctions make up less turnover uh, than our signature auctions do, of course. Uh, but it's the area that has seen the biggest growth uh, of, all the area, of all the different venues that we have. So these are numbers that I track pretty closely. Let me let me interrupt okay. before you, before sure. before you give the numbers. Explain what a showcase auction is. Okay, and then we we have a question that we'll get to in a moment. But okay. so we basically have three tiers of auctions. The way I think about it, we have the signature auctions, which include the platinum sessions, which are the the big the catalog auctions, the ones that sort of um, I think most people know heritage for. Mm -hmm. Those are the sort of the what used to be the really big catalogs on the shelf yeah. have kind of shrunk a little bit. Uh, and then we have our weekly select auctions, which are, we have ancient coins on Wednesday night, uh, world coins on Thursday night. And then sort of in between there, we have showcase auctions, which run for four weeks and are either specialized collections or thematic sales. Mm -hmm. So like I was talking earlier about the modern coin showcases, that's a, we've added that through the showcase menu rather than create a sort of a signature or a select auction. Mm -hmm. We've decided to do that as a showcase where it's open for four weeks and it's just specialized to only modern coins. Uh, but we've also had some other collections. Uh, we have a Brazilian showcase that's ending, um, I think, this week. The 6th, yeah. November 6th, yeah. Then a lot of really cool things that have come through of 
you know, I mentioned the historical scholar showcases, which are very academic things that I think warrant a little extra kind of attention than just mm -hmm. spreading them out over two dozen select auctions. Yeah, and collectors are able to have their own event mm -hmm. with their own banner, with their own um, sale number uh, dedicated that is targeted, you know, that we send opening announcements exclusively for. I mean, it's, it's, it's really an elegant format for a lot of our uh, clients uh, that can have their exclusive sales and their, their specific formats and specific type of collections that fit. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's, and it, one thing that's worth saying is that it really, when you look at a lot in a showcase auction, when you look at a lot in a signature auction, if you're looking online was 99.9% .9 of the people are doing, you see basically no difference. Mm -hmm. You can't tell if this is a signature lot or a platinum night lot, or if it's a showcase lot, the images are there. The information is there, the cataloging, all the relevant information and data that we provide as far as population reports for the grading service services and comparables like we've been looking at. These things and these tools are available across the board, uh, no matter it, you know, regardless of the value of the coin. Right. And this is this is a big, I think a big win for us and for our audience because it wasn't always like that. There was a time that a signature auction was better than, mm -hmm. you know, these online venues, but that's no longer the case. That's right. Yeah. So. And it, it allows us to keep these collections together. So I was talking a, briefly earlier about the value minimums for the January auction, just because we there's kind of there's a reality of the situation where we can only fit so many coins in one particular auction before either we run out of space to run them or. Mm -hmm. Uh, it just becomes too unwieldy. But for these showcase auctions, we can, if it's a specialized collection, we could put a $10,000 lot next to a $200 lot. If it's just this, you know, uh, we had a great French collection earlier this year that had a six figure lot in it, along with yeah. some just a lots worth a few hundred dollars. And we can target yeah. the marketing mm -hmm. so much better too. Uh, there was a question before somebody asked about the price, price I believe it was a price of gold. Yeah. How does that correlate to value of coins? And obviously, the so the less numismatic an item is, a coin is, the more it will affect. So if you have a good example is common date sovereigns, for example, or $20 gold pieces, if they are uh, standard conditions, those things are directly related to the value of, gold, uh, the value of you know, spot of gold. But uh, I... I I will say that in the last month or a couple of months, as gold dropped a little bit to the 1650s area, we have been seeing, and, and I talked to Doug Balico, who's the head of our gold room here, we have seen a significant increase in premiums for generic gold coins. Okay, so these sovereigns, these 20 francs from, uh, from France or from Switzerland and these other uh, sort of what, what we consider bullion um, uh, coins are getting to premiums that were perhaps not seen in over a decade. Uh, and then once you, you know, get away from that, the effect is more, I believe, like more psychological than anything else. Because if you have a big numismatic coin, like we had an Una before that melts at, you know, $2,100, if it sells for, you know, $340,000, it doesn't, it doesn't make any difference what, the gold contents or excuse me, the gold price of the day is. So uh, it does, I would say if gold drops, when it's dropping, when it's right, you know, if it's going up or down, it might just affect the mood a little bit, but numismatic coins uh, in effect, they don't, there's not that much direct influence, I would say. Yeah. I think saying that it's more psychological is a good way to put it where, you know, if the price of gold goes up and people suddenly want these coins that, have a 10% premium over uh, gold. And then, you know, that sort of has a marginal effect on the coins that have a 20% premium and then a 40% premium. And there's sort of a, a cascading effect, but it becomes less and less the more um, valuable the coin is. But even for some coins that we consider, you know, very common, like 1947 Restrike 50 pesos. Yes. One of those in 65 still sells for like a 15% premium over melt when... Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, five, yeah. ten years ago, that was absolutely a melt coin. Yes.
Yeah. So we have another question. Let's see. What is the average notice given for upcoming auctions? Notice given. I'm not so sure. So I think the, they mean the consignment deadline. Consignment deadline. Yeah, it's, I would say usually two months out. Is that a good? Uh... Yeah. So this, for example, the auction this week, the first auction uh, session is November 2nd. The consignment deadline was, I think, the first week of September. Right. So it's about two months or so before the sale. Yeah. If the coins are graded, of course, if they need to be graded and, you know, we need to be sent it out to certification, let's add, you know, three two, yeah, two, two three to three weeks. weeks to that uh but essentially you know the sooner the better is actually the right answer because the sooner we get things the sooner they're entered and once items are entered into an auction they automatically go up on preview so people who have you know people are looking on a daily basis uh they have want lists that want to be filled they have uh keywords that are entered so whenever we entered a coin, which is what happens if you send us your coin, we will process it, we will enter it into the appropriate auction, and that goes up on preview. So yeah. people are watching. And then when it comes to the select auctions, um, it's what we try to do is enter it into an auction that will close six weeks from the time we uh, receive it. So if it's an already graded coin, we receive it today, it'll be in an auction that closes six weeks from now. And then the settlement period is 45 days from that. So the overall turnaround time of the process is about three months, which relative to sort of the coin market, that's pretty fast. Yes, for sure. Uh, I think there was another question here. Okay, something I'd like to add to the auction info is the store behind the collection. Sometimes you need to do research. Okay, that's a good question. Well. There are times that we can promote the backstory of a collection and there are times that we cannot. In the case specifically or Paramount, it was a collection that was um, to remain, the owner was to remain anonymous. So you we couldn't really tell a story, but we thought that sort of the coins told the story of the collection it, themselves mm -hmm. because it was such a, an incredible uh, group of coins. You can view it on, on, on archives. You know, there were over, I think there were over a hundred multiple duck kits of Europe yeah, in there, so. which is, it just, it, it, it blows anyone, any numismatist's mind that just the beauty and the quantity of it. Uh, but when we can, when we can tell a story, we're more than happy to. Um, and then, yeah, going back to say the showcase auctions where we have those specialized collections, something we've been trying to do more of really only over the last six to 12 months is to add a description of the collection on the auction homepage, which is a feature that we've had on the website for a long time, but we haven't really taken advantage of it. But you add a description of the either the thematic auction or the specialized collection on the homepage. And um, it gives that sort of background. But as Chris was saying, sometimes for these really big collections like Paramount or Cape Coral, uh, we, you know, the collector chooses to remain anonymous, so we can only sort of describe the coins rather than the collector. Serge asks about Russian imperial coins. Is something changed after the starting of the sanctions? Um, yes and no, I guess. I mean, the market is still strong for Russian coins. Uh, we can still take consignments, mm -hmm. obviously, of coins that are in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, there's a little, there. there's a hiccup now with import. Uh, right. importation which had become more difficult so yeah it, in late july the u.s expanded sanctions on russian materials to include numismatic items to a 35 percent um, import tariff uh, on all coins of russia so even a coin that has been in a collection in london for a hundred years if it gets consigned to our london office they can't ship it to the u.s without it being um subject to a 35% import tariff. Yeah. So it's something similar to the tariffs on Chinese coins that I know we've talked about in the past, except the tariff on Chinese coins is 7.5%. The one on Russian coins is 35%. So it's fairly significant. We're, there are ways we can work around that if we bring stuff in on a temporary import bond and then send it back to one of the international offices. Mm -hmm. But uh, that kind of prevents us from bringing in uh, lower value Russian coins because there's just a lot more added bureaucracy to that correct and but but the market internally domestically continues to be strong i mean we have uh some interesting russian coins that are selling tomorrow and 
mm-hmm. the bidding yeah. remains strong. And then we have the next part of the Budenitsky collection that we'll be selling. We've sold the first couple of parts. In already. a showcase format. Yeah, right? in the showcase. So the market is doing well for Russian coins. I think there was a brief period earlier in the year where there was a significant mm-hmm. drop, um, but it's sort of come back up. But uh, there are sort of new realities of international business that we have to respond to. Um, so I think one thing that the point that I wanted to make earlier about showcase auctions is how that's a, a venue that's expanding pretty dramatically for mm. us. Uh, so our prior best year ever for showcase auctions was in 2020, uh, where we had 15 showcase sales realized just under $4 million. Mm-hmm. And we were thrilled with that. That was, that was great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, um, I, I remember pretty distinctly when we started the showcase format in 2000, early 2014. It was the Newman stuff that we sold as a monthly oh, auction. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then everyone else in the company said it was a terrible idea. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we got And now everybody's, you know, we have showcases now across multiple categories. Yeah. Basically, I would say basically in every category. Yeah, yeah. yeah nearly so. every category has that now, but it was yeah. definitely in, you know, swimming upstream in order for that to get traction. So anyway, okay. in 2020, we had 15 showcase sales, realized just under $4 million. This year, 2022, we are on track to have 28 showcase auctions that should comfortably sell above $10 million. Um, and so what we've added in the past year is more thematic sales open mm-hmm. to multiple consigners. Right. So it used to be that our showcase auctions were just kind of single owner specialized collections, but now we've added the modern coin showcases, which is open to everyone. Uh, we have a, uh, um, a, the Brazilian showcase that's open to other collectors sure. of Brazilian coins. We had a Mexican one. The Mexican showcase, uh, currently open for bidding. We have world medals and tokens. Which is our first one of those? Which I'm I'm curious to see how it is because we may end up doing more of them if, if it's successful. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's great. And as I was saying earlier, the one I'm most excited about is the Modern Coin Showcase, which we're having every month now. We started uh, quarterly. We had it in winter, spring, and summer, and then in September we just switched to moving it every month. And so we had one end just this past Sunday, where it was about 300 lots sell for. I think 650,000, something like that. I'm not mm-hmm. sure I wrote that number down, but um, we added it to, where we turned it into a monthly event to help with turnover and help people, you know, with modern coins, it's kind of quickly that you get them onto the market soon mm-hmm. before sort of the next issue comes out from the mint. Uh, and so having them more frequently, I think, helped a lot of our uh, bidders and consigners. And so one point that we made earlier that I think we can dive into a little bit more is that uh, a lot of professionals in our business, and I think, and we were guilty of this as well up until very recently, uh, kind of thought of modern coins as kind of lesser, like they weren't as good, whatever that means, as older coins, vintage numismatic coins. Um, And the reality is, as I was saying earlier, is it's a great entry point for new collectors. And there's actually a lot of modern coins beautiful coins they're beautiful coins with big premiums so tommy i think i sent you a link to one australian coin that is worth taking a look at yeah this uh 2016 two ounce gold coin uh and a few years ago we absolutely would have just considered this to be a melt coin correct like it was worth two ounces of gold that's it maybe someone was willing to pay five percent over melt but if it sold for $6,600, nearly double the melt value in mm-hmm. the auction just this past Sunday. Uh, and so I think that's absolutely wonderful, you know, that there is this market and that we are sort of adjusting our sales format to reflect that, mm-hmm. you know, there is a serious community of collectors for this material that uh, shouldn't be ignored. Um, so, Excellent. yeah, I think that covers it for sort of the, the general outline that I had. Tommy, uh, do we have any more questions that have popped up? Can anyone register to bid? Yes, you can register to bid. Um, you know, there's if, if you're brand new to us, uh, you need to include your credit card in your application, uh, but it's very quick. 
uh, and you can start bidding. Uh, you know, we, 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 considering all the auction companies out there, we are uh, significantly more friendly in accepting um, new bidders. And, you know, if you want, if you're new and you sign up to the website and you just want to send Sam and I a note and say, hey, I, I watched you guys, I just signed up to the website and say hello, uh, be happy to, uh, you know, talk to you about anything that's coming up or any questions that you may have. Yeah. So the other thing I'd say about registering for the website, so there's sort of two levels of registration. There's fully registered where you add the credit card info and you get approved to bid, but then you can just create a, a quick free account just to get access to the archives. To the information. Which right. I think is something that a lot of companies in the auction space don't really take as seriously as they should. Mm -hmm. So that's something that in terms of the heritage philosophy, uh, we embraced decades ago where yes. we wanted to put all the information out there to make it as easy as possible for people to do research and make informed, confident bidding decisions. Yeah, so, even if you're bidding in another, in any auction anywhere in the world, you can come to our website and do research on the archives that are that that has relevant information dating back decades now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can, you know, help you make accurate, relevant, and decisive bidding decisions. Uh, not only when you're bidding with us, but when you're bidding with some someone else. And like you said, in this case, with a soft um, with a soft registration on the website, you have access to this tremendous amount of uh, information, which, you know, my generation and generation before me used to hold tight to the chest as a competitive mm -hmm. advantage. And now, uh, you know, Jim Halperin had this idea of making it public, which is, you know, it was, now it seems quite obvious, uh, but back then it wasn't. So anybody can come. All the information is there to be shared and 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 available to everyone. Yeah. So. All right. So. Well, uh, I guess if there's no more questions, we can just give our email addresses. And as Chris was saying, you can uh, send us an email uh, if you want. Tommy just put it up on the even bottom. easier. Yeah. Thank you, Tommy. <laughs> so any questions either about upcoming auctions or lots or the market in general, feel free to get in touch with one of us and. We're more than happy to help and then hopefully. And always accepting consignments. I yeah. mean, we have all these venues that we described here, obviously. So we will have the right one for you and for your coins. Yeah. Right. All right. So we'll, we'll see everyone time. later. Yeah. Take care.